Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I always say goodbye. And I'm Avstadetsky, and just like I did in the trailer of this podcast, I enjoy drinking milk and coffee mixed together. Welcome back to Pretty, 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 Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 2, Episode 8, Shack, which originally aired on November 11th, 2001, Less than two weeks after the 2001-2002 NBA season debuted. And we're going to see what is presented as the uh, Lakers home opener, or even regular season opener, of that season in uh, today's episode. The Lakers, of course, in November of 2001, coming off two consecutive championships, and they would win a third consecutive championship that season as well. And so uh, quite a get for Larry David to get the, you know, reigning back-to-back NBA Finals MVP, uh, one of the best basketball player in the world at the time. And he gets him on his show. Uh, you know, we will discuss this at the end of the episode, but uh, a huge, a huge star for Kirby Enthusiasm here in uh, Season 2. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very, very exciting. And, um, you know, you mentioned the uh, recent history that and success that the LA Lakers had had. And uh, I think I'm going to take issue at times with the... Uh, Spoiled nature of the uh, citizens of Los Angeles, who uh, had just were just coming off. Let's constantly remind ourselves that they're coming off back-to-back championships. Uh, Alex, when's the last time any of your teams have won an NBA championship <laughs> or a championship of any kind? Yeah. Uh, uh, baseball, I'd have to go back uh, to 1991, and basketball, yeah. I'd have to go back to 1954. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and again, they had just won the two most recent championships. So. Yeah. All right. Um, I think on that note, we could uh, enter into this episode. with uh, Larry and Cheryl. They're out to dinner with some of their friends. Um, I think these are all people that we have not seen before. Yeah, and we'll probably never see again, the way it works. Uh, yeah, I think so, but who the hell knows. Um, and they're just, like, making a small chit-chat about nonsense, uh, something, you know, about your kids are getting older, yada, yada. Um, Larry starts going on one of his weird Larry David bits where he's uh, ruminating about how the bottom of the broccolis have been cut off and the broccoli's not good anymore. Uh, he also thinks cauliflower isn't very good. I, I'm not a big fan of either of those um, either. Um, I like, I would say I like cauliflower slightly more than broccoli, but I could do it without either of them. Yeah, and everybody's ignoring him, which is uh, sort of par for the course. Yeah. Um, uh, just like you just ignored my thoughts on broccoli and cauliflower. I don't really have uh, strong takes on broccoli <laughs> and cauliflower. Sorry. That's fair. Nor, nor should anyone. Um, so a, uh, a, f- a young fellow named Jeremy, uh, 
gets Larry's attention. He asks him if Larry would mind writing a letter of recommendation for him for an internship that he's seeking at an art museum. And he tell you know, you could tell already Larry's like starting to recoil. He's like you you go like his like nose is like twitching a little bit. I think yeah. <laughs> um, and he tells Larry that he would be like indebted to him forever if he uh, if he would do that. And Larry says he likes the part where the guy is indebted to him. That that part he's a fan of. Uh, but like he's kind of like you know hedging his bets. I don't know how good of a letter I would write. Why do you want me? But he basically he reluctantly uh, agrees to write the letter. Yeah. Now it is very annoying how and this is sort of you know a constant theme in this show so this is yet another example of someone who is apparently such a close friend of larry's that he is going to ask larry for a letter of recommendation but we'll never see him before or after and by the way it's also very weird even if he is a good friend to ask in front of a crowd right like you really put someone on the spot there where they're not really in a position to say no and of course cheryl obviously comes uh uh, to larry's whatever the opposite of aid is as she always does (laughs) and um it's also not even clear, like, what connection does Larry have to this art? Like, be- I guess because he's a moderately famous guy, although in the world of Kirby, he's yeah. not even that famous. So it doesn't really make sense why this guy, like, at least they could have said, oh, Larry, you know, uh, you're a benefactor of the museum or, or something. But right. it, very strange. Yeah, I, I also was confused, like, why, other than just like, oh, maybe they'll know Larry's for some reason. And like, you know, this is, but as you said, like, he's not like a real celebrity in real life uh, at this time before Kirby. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and by the way, the, the acting in this scene is not great because it's a complete non sequitur to the Lakers season starting up tomorrow night. That's not a toast that comes out of nowhere with that group of people. That does not seem like a huge group of fans. Uh, and then also the guy says, when they lose, which is very seldom. Like, that is the fakest sports fandom I've ever heard. Like, n- n- nobody, actually, I correct so myself. Gonna, so, so, yeah, you know who talks like that? LA? Laker Kobe people fans. From, because Lakers yeah. fans and Kobe fans are not like, you know, but normal basketball sports fans do not talk like that in, in that sort of mode of, of language. Yeah, but there's probably a lot of fake bandwagon Lakers fans yeah. in LA who yeah. exactly behave like that. Yeah. Although they probably wouldn't be paying attention like before the season starts. Like, yeah. They probably just like wait so Much like Shaq, they sort of work their way into it and they get excited by playoff time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as it, it's brought up, Larry mentions that actually he's going to uh, the game tomorrow night, even though he's a Knicks fan. Yeah. And Larry says he'll be re- he'll be rooting for the other team because there's nothing that he enjoys more than seeing 19,000 people being unhappy. Yeah. Which I totally get. Yes. I mean, I've, I've lived not in Minnesota for most of my life. I've lived in New York for, for most of my life by this point or a significant chunk of it. So I've attended many, many games rooting for the other team. It is enjoyable. But, oh, sorry. So I meant, I just meant that like I get that like that Larry's the type of person oh. that like obviously like just loves to see that. I actually like I I wouldn't enjoy that. Like I always like think that like I don't want to go to like an opposing game because like, I'll feel like so lonely and like I'd rather just like watch a big game with like friends who are all rooting for the same team than like be like the guy like clapping amongst twenty thousand. Well, I don't. Like, when I, I don't go like I don't go to a Mets game and and root for the Dodgers. I I for, yeah you know I only if it's for, your if team. I'm, of if they're playing my team, I'm rooting for my team. And if it's they're oh, playing yeah, some yeah. generic team then yeah then i'm either not cheering or you know i'll cheer with the crowd yeah but meaning like if the jets were like ever in the afc championship game which they have been in like in pittsburgh for example like i never considered going to that because i wouldn't think that would be fun like either they're gonna lose but but you're you're in a different circumstance than me your circumstances you live at home where your team's playing you can go to all the games the only chance i get to see them is when i'm in the minority when they come to new york yeah, yeah, that's so, fair. Yeah, um, yeah, but like I've always. If just I lived been in Minnesota, record, like, I wouldn't. Yeah, go to New York to watch the Twins play at Yankee Stadium. That would be very bad. Right. Idea. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. And I've done it when I've been like in random cities, yeah, uh, on trips and stuff. But uh, it's not. It's not as fun as being at home. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so back. So back to dinner, where Larry gets a second home assignment. Off track here. Um, 
So, yeah, so uh, Bob, a fellow named Bob, excuses himself to go to the bathroom. His wife he takes this as the opportunity. She tells everyone at the table, Bob's birthday is coming up, and I want to make a birthday book for him <laughs> where each friend will make a page. And so with a picture, a poem, a story, something, you know, that you want to say to Bob, you know, artistically in some way for his birthday. Um, so I've I've been involved in making these types of books, but, like, they're never for, like, adult friends to each other. It's, like, something you make for your grandmother. Yeah. And also, like, these are Cheryl's friends. So – and Larry will actually tell Jeff that in the next scene. So why are they bothering Larry? Like, why is Larry the one who has to make the page? <laughs> Cheryl should make the page. And then Cheryl can bother Larry to help her make it funny or whatever. But it, it's insane that these homework assignments are all going to Larry. Larry doesn't know these people. And he even makes a point of that later. He'll say, oh, how do the other acquaintances take it? Like, these people really have some balls to impose on Larry the way they're doing. Yeah, well, it's it's weird because, like, I guess maybe it's just, like, people are so used to, like, celebrities that they take advantage of them almost. I don't know. I guess. I don't know what goes on in L.A. L.A. is a crazy place. Yeah. Uh, when, you have, when you have a chance to talk to a celebrity, especially one from L.A., you should be respectful of their time and not ask them personal questions. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's what and, you call and, a spoiler make, later, uh, a teaser, and make, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and, and make demands of them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so it's, no one knows uh, what I'm talking about right now because it's not in the it's not in the uh, podcast description. Okay. Oh, you didn't get it either. All right, whatever. Just keep listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a little spaced out. Um, so it's uh, time to order dessert. But the Davids, you know, they excuse themselves. They say, actually, we need to head home. Cheryl says her parents are in town. Um, Larry's like, oh, but I want to leave some money, but like no one's paying attention to him. As well. they only pay attention to Larry when, when they they, need, they need him for a favor, yes. right? Like if Larry if Larry wants to talk about broccoli or offer money to them, no, you know, Larry doesn't exist. Yeah, um, he's like, how maybe I should leave eighty dollars? No one no one responds. He says fine ninety. He keeps going up up. Eventually he gets to one fifteen. Still no one's uh, paying attention to him. He just he just like drops a bunch of money on the table. Um, as they start to head away, Cheryl. I would say very rudely reminds Larry to say goodbye, um, and he kind of is like very annoyed by it, and like says like goodbye in, a, in an annoyed voice. Um, and then they head outside, and he's mad at her for embarrassing him. I think rightfully so. Um, and he's also mad about like the money that no one uh, told him how much money. And Cheryl says, "Well, no one told you to keep putting more money," which is also true. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they have a little tiff. Uh, I assume you're on Team Larry here. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, to continue to put out additional money was pretty stupid. Like, there was no reason for that. Yeah, but he's also, I, I would assume, probably, if not the wealthiest, the wealthiest. then easily among the wealthiest. So, Oh, we're going to get into Larry David's wealth later on as well. Yes. Um, okay, so we uh, head back home. Uh, the, they, uh, Larry and Cheryl walk in, and we hear the sound of Cheryl's parents bickering at each other. They're playing categories, whether Arabia is a country. Um, I think what this what this uh, the episode does very well is like perfectly capture the type of stupid arguments that people have when they're playing categories, and like the different things that people will try to give as answers that are bullshit and like argue for them in a bullshit way. So I thought that was very well done. Yeah, I've never played categories, but I can see how that could. Happen. Oh really? Oh, it's a fun game. I think you would like it. Um, I think you would not be fun to play against. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. Um. Yeah, you would come up with, like, ridiculous things and justify them. Like peanut butter or Arabia? Yeah, exactly. You, you would come up with, like, well, technically, you'd be like, shut up, Chester. Tomatoes and fruit. Uh, anyway. Uh, yes, uh, to quote something. Um, so Larry uh, wants no part of this. He heads upstairs, and Cheryl's dad wonders, don't you say goodnight? So this is going to be a recurring theme in the episode. Um, 
I would say this was probably my least favorite part of the episode was the uh, don't you say goodbye, good night joke. Um, anyway, so we head upstairs and Larry is asking Cheryl about how this page for the birthday book works that now he has to do. Uh, he also says he's been working on the letter of recommendation. He starts doing a couple uh, mock letters uh, orally to Chester, uh, to Cheryl, sorry, uh, making it a fun of the fact that he barely even knows Jeremy and he doesn't even take what he does seriously as any sort of real art, uh, basically saying, Jeremy, you are the, I'm the last person in the world you should have asked to write this letter, is essentially the message. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we... Uh, By the way, I do next... love, though, how Cheryl is, like, so excited to play... Like, you want to play a quick round? Like, that looks like the least appetizing offer ever. Like, you say I would I would want to play this game. If I walked into the house, and I love my in-laws, I'm close to them, but, like, and they were playing a game of categories, and yeah. I, I, I'm not... I don't know. It, it does not seem like a good game to me. No offense. Yeah, but, well, keep in mind, this is also, like, 2001, where, like, adults on, like, do. a weeknight would be yeah. like, oh, let's play a board game, because, yeah. like, the internet doesn't exist yet. Yeah. I, I would want to go, yeah. I'd, I'd be mad at my wife. She, you know, uh, I thought she was rude with the goodbye reminder in front of her friends trying to, you know, make me look bad. She uh, threw me under the bus with all these homework assignments. I'm not looking to place categories with her and her weird parents who uh, have yeah, this passive, not even, attitude towards me. And it's not even well, clear in my house, house, by the way. <laughs> house categories even, uh, yeah, they're very rude. Yeah. Uh, house categories even exist because, like, as you know, like, the only time you would ever play a board game is on Shabbos because yes. you, can't do, you can't watch TV. But yes. categories you need to write for. Oh, so yeah. you can't even play it on Shabbos. So yeah, we have exist. a couple of those board games. It's very annoying because yeah, we play board games with the kids on Saturday afternoons, and then like Clue, for example, you can't play. Clue. You can only play Clue on weekdays. So although during quarantine, there's been a lot of time for board games. So. Yeah. So the answer to is why these categories exist for quarantine. So we head to the next morning. We're in the locker room, and um, the, you know Larry's again complaining about the birthday book. He doesn't really know what it is. Uh, Jeff mentions, by the way, I can't go to the game tonight because Susie's mom is sick, and so Susie has to go be with her mom, so I have to be with the kids tonight. Uh, but he says, suggest to Larry, why don't you give my ticket to Richard Lewis and the two of you could go together instead? And I was wondering, it didn't really occur to me at the time, but having seen where the episode goes, and maybe when we talk about it, it'll make more sense, but, like, nothing really happens with Richard Lewis later that, like, couldn't have happened with Jeff there. It was just, like, I thought weird that, like, they just decided to, like, sub out Jeff for uh, Richard Lewis here for seemingly no reason. Yeah, it really makes no sense. Like, the the difficulty which Jeff implies of having gotten these tickets, and then he would, there's almost nothing that would stop him from going to the first game. Um, it doesn't really make sense. And if it does, like, his two best clients, like, the two people he most wants to, like, you know, give a favor to in the world are Larry and Richard. If that's the case, Jeff must be really struggling in his job because Larry David hasn't done anything since Seinfeld, and Richard hasn't done anything in, like, 20 years. Well, okay, so what I would say is his number one client is probably Larry David by far. But what has Larry done since Seinfeld to make money? Nothing. Nothing, but he's perfectly fine keeping Larry happy for all of the wealth he's probably generated for him in the past. And, like, who knows? Larry yeah, David well, will I, probably— I guess this is assuming that Larry was—he was Larry's manager dating back to 1989. Yeah, I would guess okay. more likely. He became Larry's manager in, like, 95 or something like All right, that. so what, but maybe he's the one that sold the syndication rights or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Larry's—we know Larry is worth a ton in this world, and yeah. Jeff probably got a good chunk of that. And then he's not offering it to Richard Lewis. He's offering it to, like, Larry to give to, like, one of Larry's friends, basically. Like, it's basically telling Larry, like, why okay. do you take Richard Lewis, who I know you're good friends with and is also one of my clients? Yeah, okay. I, I think they needed a better excuse for why Jeff couldn't uh, go to the game. Yeah, especially then, since it ends yeah. up not really making a difference. It's not like Richard Lewis is, like, heavily involved in what happens at the game. 
like it's it's all Lowry. Like it could it matter. But who I think but I think they needed it to not be Jeff because if Jeff is there, Jeff is like it's, it's like it sort of accentuate accentuates Larry, the wrong that, that, that Jeff you know, getting screwed. Jeff over. lost tickets. He didn't even get to go to a yeah, game. Yeah, I guess I, I was thinking that, but uh, yeah, whatever. All right, whatever. Yeah. That's fine. That could have been a chance to get a cameo of another star. By the way, in this episode. Jeff could say to Larry, and by the way, I'm not sure like Larry does. Jeff does have any other big clients because we see in season ten that he's really, really excited when he possibly has Clive Owen is is a possible client, and he's going bonkers. He's like such exciting, such a big get it would be. Like we never see a single other client of Jeff's ever in ten seasons of the show. Yeah, I have no reason to think that Jeff is any good at his job. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. He's not overall displayed or portrayed as a competent person. Yeah. Larry hasn't done anything on the show. I mean, he tries to make follow- – like, over the course of the Curb universe, what does Larry do? He does a Broadway play. That doesn't seem to do well at all. He does fought well the music. Like, what, what is Larry doing to make money for Jeff? Yeah, Virtually no, he's nothing. Only, he's only made one successful thing. Yeah. And Jeff – so I'm not really sure how Jeff is putting money on his uh, kid's uh, table. But anyway, yeah, maybe not going we'll forward, but I, you know, I feel like if you got Larry David at this point in his career, he was worth like investing time in. Sure. Yeah. Like he's but you also need to make. Some, yeah. But he's you probably your biggest money. client, though. I would I would still think just based on his pedigree. Um, OK, so all of a sudden in walk, speaking of uh, managers, um, it walks Albert Mayo. Uh, sorry. Yes. The actor's name, I think, is Albert Mayo is the. I can't even remember. Which one is the – I wrote down Albert Mayo, then I wrote parentheses Joe. Which one is which? Do you know? Yeah, so well, so, so Paul Reiser plays Al Mayo. Oh, no, not Paul Reiser. It's a guy named Mark DiCarlo. But doesn't it look just like Yeah, Paul I Reiser? also thought it was Paul Reiser for yeah. sure. Okay, so why, why did I write Joe? Okay, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, okay, so he's – yeah, so it's Albert Mayo, um, and he is Shaq's agent. And he says, oh, yeah, he just mentions, like, you know, you're going to love the seats tonight that Jeff has. Like, you should be really excited. And also, by the way, Shaq loves Seinfeld, which uh, Larry gets a kick out of. Uh, Larry asks Jeff if he could take a look at something on his back. Jeff is unsure. He's like, I don't really know what it is, but, like, you should probably go see a doctor. Oh, by the way, over there just so happens to be the doctor of the Los Angeles Lakers. Why don't you ask him to look at it? So completely, it's completely, completely, completely insane and inappropriate of Jeff. Like it it boggles my mind. Like to tell Larry to bother Doctor Wiggins, it's bad enough to ask a doctor that you're friends with to like to look at something in a completely different specialty. By the way, he's an orthopedist and he's supposed to look at like a dermatology issue. But like a complete stranger, it boggles my mind that Jeff would tell Larry to do this. It's really crazy. Yeah, it would be one thing if like he walked Larry over and be like, "Hey." If maybe Jeff knows him, right? That's what Jeff I'm saying. Know, yeah, Jeff knows him, but Jeff knows he's a stranger to Larry because you know, right? It's it's very strange. Like, it wasn't clear to me whether Jeff knows him or just recognized him. Yeah, but either way, it's it seems like an inappropriate thing to do. Yeah. Um, so uh, Larry, you know, asks the doctor, and he's tell he says, you know, he immediately says he's running late. Um, tells him to make an appointment, which he shouldn't do because he's not that type of doctor. So like, that's very. Uh, you know, not uh, good professional advice for Larry to make an appointment with him. Um, Larry starts pushing back. He says, come on, it'll be quick. Doctor says, you know, what do you do for a living? Larry says he's a writer. He says, how about next time you're running late, you can write me a bunch of shit for free. Which uh, is an appropriate sentiment, if not uh, maybe expressed in the nicest way. Well, so it's funny because he's supposed to be like, you know, the the bad guy in this whole episode, Doc Wiggins. But what he says is basically the same thing that Jerry Seinfeld says a couple of times on Curb to like mass uh, on Seinfeld to mass applause in the crowd, 
where like he he always fantasizes about going over to he says I'll go to your office he says to a heckler and boo you or there's or like when someone calls him and asks if he wants a subscription to the New York Times he's like well I'll call you at your office you know at your home and bother you like this is a common thing that that Jerry says on Curb on Seinfeld which means presumably Larry was behind it as well right so it's it's weird that they sort of portray that as like a mean thing to say or a bad guy thing yeah because Jerry's very rude to the people he says that yeah to. I think it just it kind of like depends on the profession. Uh, in just terms of like the way those are they're thought of in society, so it's like, like a, a doctor is punching up, and a comedian is punching down. So it's like I think it's like you you could like make fun of the doctor who like is like too high and mighty to like give his time to the common person, and like you get away with that. But when it's like a different way, it just doesn't come off as funny. With like a different dynamic. Yeah. But I mean, I think it, Larry is, you know, also, and also Doc Wiggins was nice about it at first. He's like, no, sorry, I don't have time right now. Right. And he could have said, like, well, you know, even if I had time, it's not appropriate. Also, it's not, I don't know who you are. Also, I'm not a dermatologist. Like, there's so many reasons it's crazy to me. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, I see the uh, 32 fans episode just dropped. Hmm. Did you include my rankings of TNEC? Uh No, I did not. Oh, sorry. Come on. Well, maybe I did. You got to listen. <laughs> Fine. Was it Shaq on that episode? Uh, I will not tell you that either. Fine. Speaking of Shaq, so we uh, head over to the Lakers game, and we're walking to the seats uh, with Larry and Richard. Um, Larry's complaining about Dr. Wiggins. Richard defends the doctor, uh, which we we kind of agree with. Uh, We're tipping off, and what do you know? But who are the Lakers playing? None other than the Minnesota Timberwolves, led by Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Now, actually, the Lakers' season opener in the fall of 2001 was against Portland, we see from the jump ball that this Wolves starting lineup was Dean Garrett, Anthony Peeler, Wally Zerbiak, Kevin Garnett. Uh, the only Wolves game where at the Lakers where that applies was on April 12, 2001, which is the last week of the 2001 regular season, seven months before this game ostensibly takes place. So that's obviously the game where they where they filmed this at. Yes. So yeah, so they filmed this on April twelfth, uh, and then it aired you know seven months later on November eleventh. It is cool to see real footage from a real game, which Curb will you know obviously much more famously uh later do at a dodgers game uh we'll save that incredible story for that episode so there's another teaser but um yeah this was this is not the home opener that we see this is a game uh between two teams that had you know we're playing for possible playoff seating but otherwise it was largely a, a tune-up for two teams headed to the playoffs the lakers would win this game uh Shaq would play 39 minutes he would not get injured in fact he would put up 28 16 and 5 with four blocks just a dominating game from Shaq. so okay so um, here's what here's what i read i found this on uprox uh, okay. And it says it's like it sounds like very close to what you're saying. But I don't know if they maybe fudged with it a little bit. But they say the Lakers Timberwolves game depicted in the episode took place during the 2000-2001 NBA season. However, most of the game's details, including what was shown on the scoreboard, was fictional. Um, oddly enough, the Lakers and Wolves played an actual game on April 12, 2001, which is the game that you said. Yeah. And in that game, the Lakers led 51-44 at the half, which is the exact opposite score of what is shown on the scoreboard mm-hmm. in our episode. Yeah, so I did have that uh, as a note later. Yeah, that they, they oh, okay, show so you got that. the Wolves leading at that point. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But yeah, so so that that they they flip, and I and I'm not, I'm not sure why they do that. I don't know what the motivation for that was. Yeah, the uh, yeah. So we don't see that much on court action. Um, but you know, obviously Shaq tripping and then the crowd booing and all that. Yeah, stuff. Fake, yeah that's yeah, obviously yeah. Fake. Um, yeah. It says nine out of the ten players depicted on the scoreboard belong to actual players who could have been in a theoretical game at that time. Only the Lakers number thirty-one was not an actual player, as it would not be until the two thousand three season that someone would wear that jersey number. Alex, who is that person who wore number thirty-one for the Lakers in two thousand three? I don't know, Devin George, Jamal Sampson. Never heard of him. Okay, have you heard of him? Uh, yeah, he was a big guy. Oh. He was a backup big guy. All right. 
Anyway. So, uh, we see uh, they play a little bit. Uh, we see Shaq over on the bench. Larry wonders to Richard why Shaq is not in the game. Richard jokes that Coach Jackson, I love that he refers to him as Coach Jackson. Yeah, um, and, and his eight rigs, uh, he probably knows better than you, is basically what Richard is saying. So, yeah. at this point, he's including the two as a player? Uh, let's see. Or so, two thousand. So he no, he won eight. No, he won six with the Bulls, and he's won the last two with the Lakers. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but he also won two he, as a player. And he will win right? three more. He'll win this season and then in 09 and 09. Yeah, and he had two as a player as well. So yeah, he has so two he and 11. 11. as a coach, and yes. It's a lot of rings. That's a lot of rings. <laughs> Most people don't win that many rings, I think. Yes. Uh, you and I have uh, not I have zero. I have zero rings. Yes. I have one ring. Even as a fan. I have one ring. No, uh, the Rangers in 94? <laughs> oh, no, I have a wedding ring. Oh, oh got it. Okay. Personally, I have no I have <laughs> ring. Um, I don't get the rings usually when my teams win. Uh, you don't. Now, I actually do happen to have many rings because I bought, uh, to troll the members of my longtime fantasy football league, I bought myself rings to wear to our draft uh, a couple of years ago after I had won the previous season. And I bought a ring for every year I had won, which means that I have five rings. Nice. We have, so, uh, in one of my leagues, we have like a sweatshirt that says like uh, league champion on the back. And it has, you get like a trophy yeah. with the, the year that you won. Uh, okay. Uh, what do we? I mean, we we have an actual trophy also, but yeah, the yeah, trophy yeah. goes from person to person. But the ring stay with me. That's forever, right. Yeah, so. we have we we do we do yeah. similar stick. Yes. Um, so I do ever. Anyway, so uh, Shaq uh, heads to check back into the game, but Larry is uh, putting his legs out, stretching his legs, and Larry trips over him, and all of a sudden his knee is hurt. Larry becomes very apologetic. He's saying over and over that it was just an accident, but everyone is yelling at him and booing him, and him and Richard quickly bounce and say, let's get the hell out of here you know, before we get attacked or something. Yes. I do love they show Larry on the Jumbotron so that everybody can hate him. <laughs> yeah, very, very uh, quick work by the uh, camera there. Yeah, that's because that's what they always do. If you're at a game and like a player gets seriously injured, they put they put like the doctors tending to the guy on the jumbotron, so everyone can watch this very private moment. Um, yes, it's uh, great. Anyway, so uh, Larry's like walking back into the house, and Cheryl is like very frazzled. She's on the phone. She's saying to someone, um, "Yes, we saw. He was on. You know, we, of course we we know about it." And Larry's walking in. Cheryl's freaking out because they're she was watching the news, and they're saying that Larry injured Shaq. And he's going to be out two months now. And one of the reporters said maybe Larry had a motive because he's a Knicks fan, which, was insane, which is an insane thing to say on the news. Yes, especially the Lakers and Knicks aren't remotely rivals. <laughs> yeah, it's very stupid. Uh, yeah, Larry still holds a grudge from the 1973 finals. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, big rivals, Lakers and Knicks uh, in 2001, 2002. Yeah, Larry's like Larry's pissed off. He's like, yeah, I had a motive to kill him. Like, what, 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 are, you, what are you talking about here? Ridiculous. Meanwhile, Cheryl's dad keeps complaining that they're making too much noise and he's distracting him and Cheryl's mother from watching their show as the phone continues ringing off the hook. Um, so the next day, we see Larry kind of walking the streets of L.A. People are recognizing him. Someone calls him an asshole. Larry's not happy. Um, Jeff runs over to him and he's like, what the fuck? Larry insists. Hold on. You, you skipped the don't you say it? Yeah, but yeah, you don't like that joke you said. Oh, there was. I missed that one. Okay. What, yeah. Uh, Cheryl's parents are amazing in this episode. Such a well-executed stereotype, I think. Yeah, they're yeah they're well done. Um, they're oh yeah, good. I missed the I missed the you don't say goodbye. All right. Um, should we go back and do that again? No, it's fine. Okay. Um, so Larry, uh, 
Larry's telling Jeff, you know, oh, it was an accident. Jeff says, yeah, I don't care what, what if it was an accident. They took away my tickets because I'm responsible for whoever sits in my seats. And I worked my ass off to get those seats. And you fucked it up in the first game. Uh, Larry asks, okay, I'm really sorry. Like, is there anything I could do deck to help the situation? And Jeff basically flips him off and says, yeah, buy the team. <laughs> yeah. So here's where we need to get into Larry David's wealth. Mm-hmm. So we learned several. Was that four hundred fifty million dollars? Four hundred seventy-five. Alan Wasserman tells us in the strip. Okay. Center. What yeah. would you guess was the value of the Los Angeles Lakers in two thousand three? I would say in two thousand three. Oh, sorry. I'd say four. This is two thousand one. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say four hundred million. Wow, you're, that's very spot on. Okay. Um, well, this is what I do. Yeah, for I know. Um, so the the what's the answer? The earliest value I could find was two thousand three, and they said four hundred twenty-six million. So you're, okay. you're right on the ballpark. So Larry could buy the Lakers. Obviously, he's not putting all the cash down. You know, he's going to borrow some, get other investors. But, like, he could be yeah. the, it's the not lead a, it's investor. It's not a complete impossible. It's not a crazy. Yeah, well, so could, I mean, except Jerry Buss isn't selling that team, obviously. Right. But, you know, Larry could make good on his uh, on what Jeff wants. Yeah. Um, and ha- no, but Larry certainly could have become a minority investor on the team and gotten access to floor seats. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, Although, immediately after having tripped uh, the best player, it's probably not the best time to ask uh, – Although, you know what? Shaq immediately lets bygones be bygones. So maybe Jerry Buss would be cool with Larry also. Yeah. Larry calls us, hey, listen, I'm really sorry. Actually, I'd like to buy, you know, get get involved with the ownership of the team. That's not an impossibility. Yeah. And uh, what would you say the Lakers are worth today? Uh, today? Yeah. Mm, 3.1. Okay. So this I said 4.4. Obviously, a lot of this is, is made up. But anyway, uh, oh, okay. Larry should have gotten in I on mean, that. I, they would never be bought or sold. It's an impossibility. No, okay. It's like, what's the worth of my child as a slave? It's like, it, it's there's no scenario in which they're selling. So 4. to be sold, billion? like... Yeah, so to be if if they gave a Godfather, even if they gave four billion, five billion, the buses aren't selling. Right. So yeah, but I was just thinking, you know, like, well, if you know, if the Rockets are two billion, then yeah, and and teams are a little bit deflated right now because of what's going on. But yeah, but yeah, Larry, but Larry should have bought some LP addresses back in two thousand through one. He would have made <laughs> yeah. a nice return. Yeah. Big mistake. Yeah. He's uh, he's really struggling financially. He's made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's yeah, yeah. led a bad life. Uh, right. So Larry, uh, Larry goes to work. The next day, I guess, or oh no, he's still the same day. He was, he was walking to work, I guess. Uh, you know, he's walking around Los Angeles. It, it makes no yeah, sense, he like, to walk especially to work. given that he's worried about the public reaction. Wouldn't he just drive straight home from work, like rather than risk facing the public? And where's he walking to anyway? Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Just go, he's yeah. just meandering around. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess he's just like moping around because he's depressed. Um, yeah. So he walks in. The janitor is like really glary. What happened? You got to be careful. Shaq's so big. How could he not see him? Now we have no chance. I love to this win. character. Yeah, this guy's very funny. Uh, he walks into his, you know, personal office. Uh, as he walks in, the assistant's on the phone. She's saying no comment as he walks in. Uh, she tells him that he has a ton of messages to get back to. Larry asks her to find out where Shaq is currently, you know, being hospitalized because he wants to get in touch with him. And he knows that he's a fan of Seinfeld. He wants to see if he can get him the tapes of every Seinfeld show. Uh, yeah. This would be one of the first times that we would see Larry not being aware of the word episode. Yeah, and by the way, they, they have the... Like, they have DVDs at this point. It's crazy that he shows up with, like, a giant plastic carton of, like, <laughs> like VHS. Not even in, like, boxes. Like, clearly these were, like, burned, like, in someone's office or something. Yeah, and, it like, Shaq acts, acts like this is something that, like, could not be obtained. But yeah, for, you know, this A DVD player was not a unique thing into that. It's crazy how they're acting about this. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't, like, look back to think about the exact time. But, like, yeah, that sounds right. Like, for sure, for sure it was on VH. For sure you could buy it in a, in a store. So, like, this is not something that, like, was missing from Shaq's life if he had, that he had, like, until now. He, or you could just record them all. <laughs> like, every, everyone I know had Seinfeld on tape. 
Yeah. It was on TV five times a day. At this point, I had all the episodes burned on CDs from the Wire Network. I mean, it was 2002. It was a year later, but still. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she also asks her if she knows anything about these birthday books and what he's supposed to do. Um, we, said, we see him sitting at his desk trying to write. I, go, I, I don't think it was clear whether he's working on the letter of recommendation now or the birthday book. Obviously, I don't think if it, it definitely doesn't matter, but – Anyway, uh, he's very frustrated. He's not making any progress, and he heads out. The assistant and this assistant surprisingly exclaims, "No goodbye." Uh, yeah. So once again, eh, don't care for this joke. Um, and we immediately see Larry embark on what I would call a good luck montage. He's on the streets. A guy next to him is standing. Uh, they're both standing on the curb, and a car passes by and hits a puddle, and it nails the other guy. And Larry's fine. He arrives home, and immediately as he pulls up, he sees Cheryl's parents are packing the car up because they're heading out because it's just too busy and noisy over here with everything going on with the Larry and Shaq scandal. Yeah. Um, now, how did Cheryl's parents get here? Because they live in Florida. I would have assumed they flew. But that car doesn't – you can't rent a car like that. That looks like a car that they own. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, maybe – This is I the same know. question I had about Thor, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean – I think Herb doesn't pay a lot of attention to these things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. Yeah. They just, that was the card that was on the lot that day. And, yeah. Uh, wherever they filmed. Yeah. Um, well, I think they said, we need a car that looks like it would belong to old people. Right. Um, so then uh, yeah. Jill comes by and she tells Larry, you know what? I decided, forget it about the birthday book. Yeah. Um, that- Jill, to me, by the way, has a real Elizabeth Warren vibe. Interesting. I didn't think The voice, that. the haircut. Yeah, I could hear that. Um, I love how she shows up in person on Larry's driveway the way that folks frequently do to Larry David. Yeah. But you got to drive all the way there to, to have an awkward conversation with somebody. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, but that's because it's a TV show. Yeah. I don't just did you have – was she ever your teacher or just her husband? Um, no, I, I was signed up for her. But then I, I, I was actually – so uh, it was very inconvenient, the 2008 election, for my, uh, my, uh, prof- my possible professors because uh, I was registered for her for the fall – for the spring semester of, I guess, spring of 2009. And then she was uh, no longer on faculty. And then um, there was someone else. Because she, um, she went to do the uh, Consumer Protection to- Bureau. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't a senator then. Yeah, and then, I think she and then was the that. other one was um, what's his name? Um, oh my god, I just went blank. Uh, Cass Sunstein. I was signed up for one of his classes, and then he went to become like uh, the, um, the the czar of efficiency, whatever it was. And so he he also, you know, uh, uh, when Obama got elected, a lot of Harvard uh, law professors decided to go work in Washington. So yeah. very selfish. But you had you had her husband though, like I did. I saw a video of him today uh, protesting. Yeah, he, he's, he was my favorite uh, – one of my favorite professors. He was a funny guy. Um, but I saw him yeah, today yeah. on TV wearing very unattractive shorts. And he kind of has like a Larry David thing going on a little bit. But he's bald and Wears slightly glasses awkward like in his dress, yeah. I guess. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, this will obviously be fascinating for all the listeners who don't, have no idea yes. who we're talking about right now. He's a very, yeah. very good property professor. Enjoy. Yes, it. very good property professor and uh, might have become the first gentleman of the United States. Yeah, he was this close. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Larry and they will we'll, we'll get to this again. He does this twice. Uh, for some reason, instead of acting relieved, decides to like lead into it and start playing the guilt card and say, "Oh, it's such a shame because I had made such a great page for him and like you would have loved it." Uh, but she wants uh, not to have it. None of it. Um, and what Larry's theory is is that nobody wants to have anything to do with him anymore because of the Shack incident. Now, yeah. I thought we could examine that because only 
one of the like, I don't think Larry's parents left because like they're embarrassed of Larry. Like I think they just thought it was just like it was chaotic over there. They wanted to get out. Well, but it seems sort of more like a um, bizarre, like a thing you'd see in Seinfeld, whether it was Bizarro or like the the even Steven episode. Like because everything is because this one bad, very prominent thing happened to someone else involving Larry. Everything in Larry's life is good. You know, he doesn't get splashed on the street. No one like so. It's 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 not per se that no one has anything to do with him. It's just he all of a sudden has good luck with everything. Yeah. It's not like the guy whose, whose car spl- sprayed the guy next to him but not him did that on purpose. Yeah, but like the what are the motivations of Jill and then the next scene we'll see... Oh, uh, so yeah, they clearly, yeah, they don't want to be associated because all of a sudden it's been decided that whatever pull Larry had with the county art, whatever the heck it was, now it would backfire. Oh, the guy who injured Shaq on purpose because he has a vendetta as a Knicks fan endorses you? You're not going to lose the job. Yeah, and then, yeah, they don't want – Jill doesn't want him at Bob's birthday party. Now, Bob is a huge Lakers fan. We did see that in the first episode, right. in the first scene. So in that scenario, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. But, yeah, yeah. it's um, it, it's just it, – it's very funny, but if you think about it too much, it's it sort of – if you pull a thread at all. You know. Yeah. So Cheryl says she wants to head over to Starbucks, and so she also wants to get away from Larry, and Larry insists on joining her. Yeah. So we get to, La- to Starbucks. Larry's in like a very good mood. This is the best mood Larry's ever been in his entire life. Yes. Uh, Cheryl orders a mocha, and Larry says, "I'll have a vanilla." One of the vanilla bullshit things. You do whatever you want. Some vanilla bullshit. Yeah. Latte. One of the cup vanilla of bullshit. Yeah. Whatever so you got, good. I don't care. Uh, which now I it is highly ironic that this will later become his profession. <laughs> yes. 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 It will later become an expert. Um, yeah. yeah. We- also, this Starbucks has no line whatsoever. I've, you almost never see Starbucks in the line, especially when you cut to the other side of the room and they have tons of customers sitting there. Well, maybe everyone online left when they saw Larry David because he's so. Uh, I guess un- yeah. Unpopular part of Larry's good around. luck is that he shows up and immediately there's no line. <laughs> yes. That's true. Yeah. Um, the C parts for Larry David. Cheryl says that she doesn't like this new enthusiastic Larry. She misses the old Larry. All of a sudden, Jeremy walks in to a random Starbucks. Oh, because he says he, he called the house. They said he was there or something, right? Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, it the, makes ma- sense. the maid said he'd be down at, at this specific Starbucks. Yeah, whatever. That's fine. Guess... That could be the closest one. Yeah. That's fine. We'll forgive this yeah. one. This one seems fine. Uh, yeah. Before he... Again, he could have just called Larry. But, you yeah, know, well, they, they have cell phones Larry. only when it makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, before he can say anything, Larry cuts him off and says, I get, let me guess why you don't, you don't let me guess. You don't want the letter anymore. Jeremy um, admits, yes, that's, that's exactly it. And again, Larry puts himself, you know, at risk, in my opinion, of having to produce a letter or a book page at some future point. No, I agree point. with you. It, there's no reason to do this. This is almost like the Viper in, in um, Game of Thrones. Like, like just kill him. Yeah. Just end the relationship. Yeah. Say, oh, don't okay. Leave the door open that's, to slip. Yeah, that's too bad. Thank, thank, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. Done. You know, then don't say you already wrote it. So that if he changes his mind a week later, he's like, oh, can I have the letter now? And you'd be like, oh shit, now I have to go write the letter in ten days. Yeah, in, in, in 10 I minutes. have a personal version of this. Um, I the way I proposed to my wife was um, we I, I worked it out with Film Forum, this theater in New York City, where. She thought we were going to a premiere of some movie, and it was a whole long. And like, we got fake tickets, and they put a little thing on the um, marquee, and we walked in the theater, and it was just the two of us. So my initial plan was that I would make like a little like fake documentary about our relationship, and then it would end with me proposing to her. Um, but they couldn't; they they didn't have the ability to do that. They could only play audio, not video. And so I had started on this process, and I had interviewed a couple of, of mutual friends and of her friends, but I had like some raw materials, but nothing had been put together as a movie or anything like that. Um, and I ended up all that was, was we just played a song. But I mentioned her at some point that I had started to do this, and so she would bring up to me frequently, well, I want to see the movie that you made that you were going to use, and I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure what it is, because like the, the reality is because I never because I knew I didn't have to make it, I basically stopped. So I just have like a few like clips of interviewing a couple friends of hers. 
Uh, yeah. And so, it was a very bad yeah. thing for me to say, oh, I had the Soviet I would have used if I could have used it because I should have easily seen her say, well, you could show it to me any other time. Right, yeah. yeah so I made the same mistake here. Yeah, so Larry uh, Larry does it twice in this episode. And uh, yeah, I yeah. guess, you know, he's just, uh, he's walking on sunshine. So he, uh, yeah. what could go wrong? Yeah, well, he doesn't suffer consequences the way that uh, I did with my yeah, wife. Fair. Um, yeah. She's forgotten about it now, so don't bring it up to her. So uh, Larry's, uh, he's so excited about the string of good luck that he uh, offers the whole store free coffee and donuts and Danish and bagels. Oh, my, I said to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we this like the first time we get that like really like upbeat curb music. I've, I don't maybe we've heard it before, but it was the first time I noticed it. And this will become like one of my favorite like little curb interludes. Yes. Um, Larry loves what he's drinking, the cafe latte. He asks what's in it, and he's told milk and coffee. He responds, milk and coffee? Who would have thought? Milk and coffee. My God, what a drink. Yes. It's milk and coffee mixed together. This is like one of my yes. favorite Larry bits from all of Curb. Like I used to like quote yes. this all the time. Basically every time I get but a But it's also it's originally from Seinfeld. The whole, the, is it? I don't even remember that. The milk and coffee is a Where Kramer gets Kramer gets uh, cafe lattes for life. Yeah. Because he spilled the coffee on himself. Yes, that I remember. Yeah, and so they say, what is a cafe latte anyways? And he's like, and Kramer says it's milk and coffee, and Jerry makes a joke about that. Oh, I don't remember that joke. Okay. Yeah, I guess I've be yeah. just more associated that with uh, being a curb line now. Interesting. Well, yeah, I don't – what is the exact line in Seinfeld? Now I'm forgetting. But I can Google that, but that's fine. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Um, and Cheryl's, uh, Cheryl's basically had enough. She's annoyed. She says, you know, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, she- what what a terrible wife. She doesn't enjoy seeing her like there, there's few things in life that bring me more joy than seeing when my spouse is legitimately like happy. It makes me happy to see her smile and laugh. And Cheryl doesn't get joy from her husband being happy. She's like angry. She's like a bad spouse. She really is. Yeah. Um I guess but like if you're if the guy you married is Larry David, like who you're just like used to him like that's the guy that you like. Not that he's being like weird. But she doesn't but she likes Larry not being Larry. Like she likes when Larry wants to go to the beach, right? Yeah, Cheryl's very demanding. She she married Larry, but she wants to change Larry. She wants him to be a little more socially appropriate. She wants him to be a little more fun, you know. She wants him to be a little, you know, I don't know. It seems weird to me that he's so happy. It's not at her expense. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl's not great. Um I agree. Yeah, you know, sometimes if you're a very wealthy older man and you marry a very attractive younger Gentile woman, um, she's not going to be great in every way. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Um, So he goes over to the hospital and he's looking for Shaq's room. Yeah. And This hospital, by the way, will tell any stranger where Shaq is located. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Yeah. Shaq's room. Yeah, on that floor, he's that room. Head over. No problem. Um, Yeah. And he always said he sees a random doctor. He asks him to look at his back. The doctor tells him it's solar keratosis, um, and it's but it's probably benign. It's from the sun. Don't worry about it. Larry's yeah. now. This guy Barry Diamond is his name. The actor. He was immediately recognizable to me from Seinfeld, but I couldn't place it, so I looked it up. He plays the awful comedian Pat Buckles. Oh, okay. Remember the guy who Larry uh, who keeps coming on after Jerry and yeah, Jerry's yeah, warm yeah, up, yeah, warm, yeah. Like yeah. he's like that's like the metaphor for like the shows following Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so he, he's the one playing the, uh, the, the mental patient, not doctor. Spoiler alert. Um, oh. <laughs> maybe some people are Sorry. watching and then listening, like scene yeah. by scene. <laughs> we should put it like scene by scene timestamp so people can yeah. do that. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, so Larry is thrilled. He says, you know, more doctors should be like you and just give out medical advice to random strangers that ask them, which, you know, should have been a kind of a warning sign to Larry. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason more doctors are not. Not every this. single person in a hospital wearing a gown is a doctor. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, there's a reason more doctors aren't like that. They're not medical. Is he, he's not even wearing a gown. He's wearing scrubs, I think. Yeah, he's wearing scrubs. Yeah. Um, so he heads over with the tapes. He asked the nurse if he could give them if she could give them to Shaq. Um, right then, his agent Albert arrives. Is it we assume we decide his name is Albert? The agent arrives. Uh, he yeah, says, Al Mayo. Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, how it's so nice Larry came and he should come in to see Shaq. Larry's worried, you know, because of the whole incident. But Albert insists there's no hard feelings. Everyone understands it was an accident. It's a, and anyways, this is going to be a great gift. He loves Seinfeld and he's going to be in bed for two months. Like this was such a good, good gift idea. Yeah, so, impossible to get. Yeah, in two thousand. Um, so they um, they walk in. Well, it could be that it wasn't impossible to get, but like it still could be a nice gift. So just like a nice thought. But yeah, they act like this is like oh my god. But you know what would be nice? The actual box set yeah. of the DVDs, not a bunch of random loose VHSs <laughs> in a giant plastic container. Yeah, probably like Larry had somebody recorded off uh, someone's VCR. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It's <laughs> yeah. very strange. Um, so very they walk in, and Shaq is playing categories with his girlfriend and the team doctor who we met earlier. Um, he's, yeah, so Doc Wiggins just hangs around with Shaq all day. That's his full time job. Um, well, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask about this. Um, yeah, yeah it, it it seems like he's switches between being the team doctor and like Shaq's personal doctor assistant of sort. And yeah. It's not really clear. Um, so they're playing categories, and the category is dairy product. The letter is P, and Shaq has tried to play the word peanut butter, insisting that because it has the word butter in it, it must be a type of butter. Um, now, can I ask you a question? Yes. Having never played categories, does it have to be that the first word has to start with the letter or either word could start with the letter? No. It, because it's, this is an internal contradiction from Saudi Arabia earlier in the episode. Because if peanut butter, let's pretend peanut butter is a dairy product for argument's sake. But it doesn't start with B, it starts with P. Unless you're saying it's okay because the second word starts with B. But if that's the case, then Saudi Arabia should have been acceptable before because Arabia starts with A even though Saudi Arabia doesn't. Okay, so See what I'm, I'm not sure I followed all that, but – the peanut butter would be fine as an answer to like sp- if the category was spread with the letter P. Peanut butter would be. But fine. okay, wait, 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 no, not with P. With B, it's B. This category. No, it's P. It's P. Yeah. Oh, okay. So forget everything I just said. Yeah. The other words. Oh, we so his argument is that it starts with P. Pen, uh, oh, pendant, oh, the Porsche, operative Popeye. word for the dairiness is butter, but the operative word to qualify for the category. Yeah. Is so peanut, peanut butter. Right. Yeah. So peanut butter is not a dairy product. That's what reason right. why it's See, no this good. There's a consequence when you, don't, when you don't place categories yeah. in research ahead of time. Yeah, that's okay. Um... We're glad we can educate people about how categories works. Yes. Um, it's a fun game, but there's no time to ever play it. Um, so Albert and Larry uh, head on in. Shaq recognizes Larry. He's like, he, it takes you can see it takes him a second, but then he, Larry apologizes. Shaq kind of like rolls his eyes. He's like, well, how does an apology really help me? Larry reveals the great gift. I have all of the Seinfeld tapes, and Shaq is very excited. He pulls Larry into the categories conversation. He asks him whether peanut butter is a dairy product. Larry Wait. knows whose bread he needs the butter right now. And he says, absolutely. Yes. Whose bread he needs the peanut butter, actually. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was a very good job by Larry reading the room here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Aisha Tyler, by the way, I thought she does great as Shaq's girlfriend. Yeah, she's, she's very good. Sort of very, yeah, she's also like, I think Shaq's wife at the time was sort of famously like very, very short. Like there was a massive discrepancy in their heights. Yeah. That'd be, well, but Aisha Tyler's like quite, quite tall. <laughs> there would be a massive discrepancy with pretty much any woman. But yeah, I hear you. But that's why I was especially, yeah, because Shaq wasn't married to a woman who was six one. He was married to a woman who was like four foot eleven. This or woman is not but, nearly as big as Shaq. Yes. <laughs> this woman meaning every woman who ever existed in the history of womanhood. Yes. Um, the doctor says he got a bunch of words, including pendant, Porsche, Popeye, Pago Pago, and Provolone. Uh, but Larry notices that he's like quickly crumpling up the paper. And he throws it on the floor, and in the garbage. In the, yeah, the garbage. Right, right. Larry pulls it out. Um, but this is this is very strange. So Doc Wiggins nervously looks around as you said, cr- quickly crumples up the paper and tosses it in the garbage. 
So it's very clear that he's immediately trying to get rid of this evidence because there's something fishy about it. If that's the case, why leave the evidence right there? Why not take it with you into the bathroom? You know, it's very strange. Doc Wiggins, he's nervous, doesn't want anybody to see, but leaves it in an easily accessible garbage and then leaves the room. Yeah, I guess, like, he he's a very bad well, I don't think he thinks anyone's actually, like, going to, like, do, a de- like, a detective work to find him. But, like, if he leaves the paper, like, out on the table... Then, like, while he's in the bathroom, someone just might, like, see it and say, like, oh, well, he didn't write down the, all yeah. of those. Okay, okay. But, like, fine. if he puts it in the garbage, yeah, no little gonna... does he know that Larry has a bone to pick Yeah, no one's going to go, like, looking through the garbage thinking that he's cheating. Yeah. Um, yeah, we find out that he's been, like, dominating the game because he's cheating. Yes. Um, so uh, Larry picks up the paper. He reveals to Shaq that the doctor didn't really write down Pago Pago or Provolone, and they're shocked to learn that he's cheating. He doc comes back out of the bathroom. The Shaq calls him out. He plays dumb at first, but Shaq is you know he, he's providing the evidence. Shaq says he's done with him and he's fired. Um, yeah, yeah I, I guess you know if this guy is cheating at categories, it's, you know this is probably just like the final straw of like other bad acts. Like I, this is not sufficient on its own to like lose his job. Well, we will discover bad acts l- later on in the scene. But it makes no sense. Yeah, he gets violently thrown out of Shaq's office because of categories. Um, again, it will turn out that he's a terrible doctor. We'll learn that in a moment. <laughs> yes. But but it's not even clear. Does Shaq have a right to – I mean, if right. he's the team yeah. doctor. Yeah. Now, Shaq could say, I don't want you treating me. Get out of the room. But yeah. Shaq can't say you're fired. Yeah, I have written down. Is this the team doctor or Shaq's personal yes. doctor? Because although, like, yeah. presumably Shaq – if Shaq, like, wants to get the team doctor fired, he probably could. But, like, that's not the same as him just be having the ability to say you're fired. Yeah, he could just say, get the hell out of here. Right, and, like, then could, like, tell his agent, like, call the GM and tell him, we want, I want that yeah. team, I'm not coming back. And, of course, it's not uncommon for players to have difference of opinion, medical opinions between the team doctors and their personal doctors. Yeah. This happens all the time. Yeah, so, yeah, so, or, you know, it could just be that Jeff misidentified. Maybe it's just, like, Jeff has sat in those seats before, so that's how he recognized the team doctor, but really that's Shaq's personal doctor. He just assumed, like, he always sees, like, that's Shaq's a doctor. personal doctor wouldn't be sitting there and treating him in the middle of the game. I mean, with the, the kind of money Shaq has, he could have, like, a doctor that's just, like, always around. And, like, you know, he's, he's kind of like his doctor slash uh, buddy. I don't uh, know. These yeah. NBA players, who the hell knows what they have going on? They have, like, a million trainers and nutritionists and this and that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But you, it turns out Doc Wiggins is a terrible doctor because uh, we get uh, another doctor comes into the room. Yes, but uh, a few things happen first. Oh, sorry. Um, so um, as the doctor is being escorted out, Larry piles on by yelling, don't you say goodbye? Shaq laments yeah, yeah. that people don't say goodbye anymore. Larry, of oh, course, yeah. agrees because now he, him and Shaq are best friends. So he has to, you know, he's, he's Shaq's yes man. Um, Shaq tells Larry that his favorite episode of Seinfeld is the contest. And if he pops that into watch right now, all is forgiven. Uh, where does the contest rank on your... Uh, rankings and if while you're checking if you got them let me know where they rank on my rankings because I, I assume you have easier access to that than i do yeah uh, i should have been uh, warned ahead of time that we would be discussing this oh i thought it was kind of obvious yeah uh the contest is the number one overall episode really the consensus, consensus really interesting by a massive margin it's wow. not even close it is number one according to vanity fair vulture uh cs imdb um, SC, uh, I don't know. Um, Sanetsky has it number 17. You are the lowest tied with Jared Jerome of all my rankers wow. at 17. All right. And I have it number, I have it number one all time also. Yeah. I mean, 17 is still very high. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's rank. average ranking, even with you and Jared, uh, everyone else has it one or two. Um, you guys both have it 17. There's no other episode whose average is even better than 13. Yeah. To me, which I, is I, marine I, biologist, which is ruined because Jared ranks at 47 for some stupid oh, reason. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, yeah. 
And Vulture ranks at 61st, which is inexcusable. Yeah, the contest to me just always, I, I just felt like there was like a little bit too much of like the shock value of it was doing too much of the heavy lifting on the love for it. Like, I don't think it's like okay. actually as funny as some other episodes, but it was just like, it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe they're making an episode about this. But yeah, obviously, I don't agree. Yeah, obviously, a lot of people disagree. But, and I, I, and I also think it's an excellent episode. As you said, I have it 17. Yes. So the 17th best episode of all right, the best show of all time by far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and a show that has like 90 good episodes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they're all watching the contest together. But Jack has good taste in curb. Yeah. And, and, so we're, we're, everyone's watching the contest together, and in what I think is – for what is a, often a pretty meta show, we talked a lot in the in the HBO uh, you know pr- pilot episode or whatever you call it, the special, uh, how meta that episode and self-referential and weird it was in kind of like a mockumentary way. And this is like I think the, the most meta moment we've had in the series proper so far as we watch the scene of the titular contest being hatched in the diner, George telling Elaine about how his mom walked in on him in the bathroom and kind of hinting to her, you know what you do in the bathroom. And it had me wondering, did they purposely pick a scene that was specifically Jason Alexander and Julia Louis-Dreyfus because they are in the ongoing storyline of Kurt? Oh, no, I don't think so. No? Uh, no, that's way that's way too much thinking for a show that's a little fast and loose. All right, well, you know, these either way, it had the same effect where you're just like, I'm watching. I mean, sh- most ep- most scenes in Seinfeld have either Julia or Jason, and frequently both. Right, but this one was specifically the two of them, and only the two of them. Yeah, like it could have been mm-hmm. any combination, and it was like the two people who were like going to be in the, all the episodes this season. Um, mm-hmm. Just I don't know. Yeah, maybe it wasn't intentional, but it was, it was like it had that effect on me where I'm just like, this is like creepy to like just see everybody kind of like circling in back on themselves. Anyway. Isn't that also – that's the first scene of that episode of Seinfeld, isn't it? Um, it could be. So that would make sense. They're in the diner and they walk in and – yeah. Yeah, it could be. I don't know that well in terms of that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Larry heads back outside and he has a hop in his step from his continued good luck. And suddenly we embark on what we're going to call the bad luck montage. And Wait, no, but we have to – we have to – we find out that, that Doc Wiggins is wrong. Oh, I thought we said that already. Right. Uh, well, I had said that out of turn, yeah. So oh, uh, another doctor comes in to say, guess what, Shaq? Uh, Doc Wiggins screwed up looking at your x-ray or whatever it was, and you do not have a massive tear. You'll be back in a week or two. So all of a sudden, there's phenomenal good luck for Shaq. And so, yeah, this is the turning point in Larry's life. Larry doesn't know at the time. Larry's like, oh, that's great. I'm no longer a pariah. Nobody's going to hate me anymore. Uh, it is strange to me that nobody else had been involved in Shaq's diagnosis but the one-team physician. He had a massive tear that yeah. he'd be off his feet this, for two this, months. This seems like and an no unreasonable fuck-up for what is should be very competent doctor serving the uh, L.A. Lakers, that they, they misread yeah. an MRI as a full tear versus, oh, you're back in a week. Now, I actually have to tell you, I actually knew the person, or I know, I actively know him. I know the person who was the Lakers team doctor, I'm pretty sure, at this time. Oh. So um, uh, there, there, was, there was his family, the Cobbies. Who lived uh, a block away from a block away from my parents growing up? I grew, and they had a bunch of sons. And one of their sons was the doctor of the Lakers. But the very strange thing is that you would think that being the team doctor of the Lakers would be a really, really high-profile job and your favorite job. But his dream was to be the doctor of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now he was like 15, 20 years older than me, so I didn't really know him. But like his mom and my mom are friends, so I heard the story through her. We were at their house once, and I was going through like the pictures. Her mom had went to a game, and the mom went to a game in LA, and she had pictures with all the players. But the mom's favorite player and her son's favorite player was Derek Coleman, who was on the Sixers at the time. Um, this is around 99, 2000, something like that. I forget. And her son's dream, she said, was to be the team doctor, to move to Philadelphia, and become the Philadelphia 76ers team doctor. Which a few years later, he actually did. 
So I don't know if he, so yeah. So I, I guess I actually could have mentioned that before, but um, yeah. Um, Googling him right now, seeing what he's up to. Uh, he is. Oh, now he is a colleague of my wife's. He's an orthopedic surgeon at New York Presbyterian Hospital. Oh, excellent. So now whoever so wants to go look up uh, Alex's wife can go do so. Oh, you yeah. get out her uh, uh, her place of business. That's really funny. Um, yes. Um, yes. I mean, he. Oh, yeah. He. Oh, he was the doctor for the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Kings, the Mighty Ducks. Oh, all the LA teams, the LA Sparks, and the USC football team. Um, when he's not performing arth- arth- arthroscopic surgery, he's a ringside physician for the New York State Athletic Commission for professional boxing, uh, team physician for whatever. Um, I don't see anything about the Sixers here, so maybe I'm wrong about that part. But um, I do remember his mom saying that his dream was to be the doctor for the Sixers because of Derek Coleman. Cool. Anyways. Um, yeah. Anyway. So that's the real Lakers team doctor. Not Doc Wiggins, who – it's funny because Doc Wiggins, the actor, is most famous for, uh, for Brooklyn Nine-Nine where he plays a sort of a buffoon. Did you ever okay. watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah, I, guess I don't Oh, he, I, now I recognize him. Yeah, I didn't put that together. Yeah, so uh, w- when I first saw this episode, you know, I hadn't seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but now when I see the episode, I look at Doc Wiggins, I'm like, well, of course he's a buffoon and a bad doctor because he's like <laughs> a, an incompetent, you know, <laughs> like Nebuch yeah. Cop. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, Larry yeah. is... So uh, good news for, 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 for Shaq, Shaq and yes. seemingly good news for Larry. Turns, turns uh, yeah, Larry's so, luck uh, around. Larry heads outside and he has a hop in his step. He's very excited about his continued fortune. And suddenly he gets nailed by a car splash, and we proceed on a very sad... Which is the reverse of the previous yes. uh, car splash. Yeah, so yeah. we proceed on a very sad bad luck montage. Uh, yeah. We see him get a parking ticket, and then suddenly overwalks the doctor from earlier who diagnosed his back, and he asks Larry for a ride. Larry recognizes him. Oh, you're from upstairs. The other doctors, uh, two other people, hospital workers, run over. They grab him. Larry realizes this is not a doctor at all. The men inform him that they're taking him back to the sixth floor, psychiatric... And Larry realizes he has no idea what on his what is on his back at all now. Uh, the episode yeah. now I have has... a couple issues here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see how this is bad luck. This is actually very very good luck because before he was under the erroneous assumption that it was fine because a non doctor had told him that that's not actually good luck. That could be very bad luck if it turns out something serious. He doesn't get it checked and he dies of skin cancer. So the fact that he finds out. This guy's not a real doctor. That's good luck. If he had gone home thinking he was fine, he could have, God forbid, you know, been in a much worse situation. Yeah, in the long run, it's good luck. But in the moment, it's bad yeah. luck. Because it's like this thing that he was freaking out about that he felt better. Now yeah. he is going to go back to freaking out until he, for, yeah. for days. But it's like, oh, thank God I, was, thank God I found out this guy's yeah. a mental patient, though. Before, yeah, yeah, you're so, definitely right yeah. for real. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's not, it also, it, it's very evocative to me, the two guys, the two uh, guys in the white coats running out of the hospital to chase him to catch him of the Pigman episode of Seinfeld. Yes. Uh, where, you know, they're chasing the pigman down the halls. Anyway, um, yeah, sorry. So continue with your episode recap. Um, no, that's it. That's the end. Yeah. No, that was my joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Fine. Yeah. You seem to be a bit more skeptical of this episode. Tell me, how do you rank this episode? No, I'm not skeptical of this episode at all. I thought this, this is, oh. I love this episode. Um, oh, okay. This has, yeah. You know, there's some some like things that are like silly, and I, I, I really did not like the uh, the goodbye running joke. But the, everything with Shaq is gold. Yes. The hall, the, the the scene at the Starbucks is one of my favorite scenes of the series. Oh yes, of course, yeah. Oh, and the mod, the two montages are also 
classics. So yeah, I I'm actually gonna I'm gonna rank this uh, tied for the best episode we've had so far. I'll give it four point five. And at this point, may, I'm thinking maybe eventually I have to go to a five. I'm just like waiting for like some episode that's perfect, and maybe that's just never gonna come. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna stay with four point five for now. Pretty 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 good. Okay, so yeah, so you gave Thor and Trick or Treat each four and a half stars. Yeah, and so this is tied for your uh, your highest ranking. Um, I love this episode also. I give it pretty, 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 pretty good. Four and a half, just like you. It's an amazing episode. I knock it down a half because of the sports inaccuracy. Um, Although, actually, um, as you mentioned, the last time they showed the score, the Timberwolves are winning by seven. And then Shaq immediately gets injured. So, presumably, things got worse for the Lakers from there. So, I actually applaud Curb for creating an alternative history where the Timberwolves actually won this game that they actually lost. Yeah. I assume you'll be tonight the... Preparing updated spreadsheets of all of NBA history from this moment on in that alternate Had history. Had the Timberwolves won that game yeah. on April 12, 2001. Yes. How, how much do things change? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So four and a half. To me, this is the uh, third best episode that we've had so far. It's uh, just behind Trick or Treat, which I gave five pretties to. And it's just a smidge behind Thor, which I also gave four and a yeah, half. So we, have the, so we have the same top three. So that's, that's, yeah, uh, so. that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Great episode. Yeah, I really thought this was a great episode. I, would, I laughed a lot and uh, just some really classic scenes. I, I could guess I could see how someone could argue that, like, the story is kind of silly, which we kind of did. Um, and it's more just like there's, like, these bits and vignettes around the main story that are just so good. Uh, but for me, whatever. I, I laughed my ass off watching this episode. Yeah. I don't even think I need to ask. I think it's so obvious. But who's the come with guy here? Oh, the come with guy is Shaq. Yes, of course. What a guy. He thinks this guy tripped him, costing him half a season. And he still lets bygones be bygones as long as they can watch Seinfeld together. Just just a hell of a guy. Shaq is a Yeah, a first of all, guy. he does the episode. That's amazing. He, yes. He's he's being a, a, his amazing Shaq self, playing categories. He loves Seinfeld. His favorite episode is the one about a masturbation contest. I mean, Shaq is amazing. Yeah. He's, he's He might be the best come with guy so far. Yes. Uh, yeah, we don't have a reigning come with guy leader the way that we've done yeah. for a worst person. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, tabulate that for next time. Yep. All right, so now let's jump uh, to the other side. Who is our worst person? Yeah, so I initially wrote down the team doctor, but then you convinced me that like he wasn't really an asshole in the first time. He's just cheating at categories. Which I think is not enough. If it was, if it was both that like he was a complete asshole the whole episode and then also cheats. Well, he's in a Compton doctor. Yeah, though. I guess it's still fair. He could still be the worst person. Um, I guess it's between him and Cheryl, but I'm gonna give it to the team doctor just because like I'd rather give it to someone new than keep uh, pounding down on Cheryl. So you're giving it to Doc Wiggins. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Doc Wiggins. Okay, so Doc Wiggins is is the popular answer here. I'm sure that's who most of the listeners are gonna have. He cheats at categories. He botches Shaq's diagnosis, but as I said before, I think he gets an unfriendly edit in the first scene. I think he's totally correct. Larry is being an obnoxious imposer. Um, So, you know, I mean, he's worse, Larry, in that scene than Cheryl's dinner guests are when they impose on Larry because he doesn't even know who the guy is at all, and he's exposing him to, like, serious liability, right? Like, you know, a doctor giving you – so, yeah, so I don't – you know, again, as I said before, you know – Jerry does it to hecklers in Seinfeld, so it gets a big applause line. Yeah. So to me, uh, Jill is the worst person. Her imposition on Larry is insane. <laughs> At least the art guy wants Larry because he's famous. He might have connections to help him get a job. Jill is asking her friend's husband to do a favor for her husband. Larry and her husband are not friends at all. 
you know, this is just a guy who's married to Jill's husband's wife's friend. And she imposes on him in front of the whole group to do this favor. And then she backs – I mean, Jill's terrible, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think of her. Yeah. She's not a bad choice. Yeah. So I give I give it to Jill, but you give it to Doc Wiggins. That's fair. Yeah. We don't even need to discuss uh, which actors and celebrities we have on the show. Of course, Shaq. He's number one. Most famous person to play himself. But, uh, yeah, I do kind of love, like, the insane world uh, where, like, Curb had gotten Shaq to uh, play someone else. Like, you know, he's a stockbroker <laughs> who uh, just moved in next door to Larry and he's bothered that Larry Cheryl play music too loudly or something. But yeah, uh, speaking of Shaq. Before we get to the mailbag, last week you had mentioned that you tweeted at Shaquille O'Neal and you invited him to come on the podcast as a guest this week. And we left it as a teaser as to whether or not Shaq would be joining us, but uh, we did get a response, and we have a third member of this conversation has just joined the Zoom chat. Now, I have to point out that his video is off, so I can't see, so we'll listen, but I'm not sure if it, if it is Shaquille O'Neal or it could be a Shaq impersonator. I recently heard uh, a guy named Zach on another podcast do a very excellent Shaq impersonation so i don't know whether this is shack or shack impersonator again i can't see him i can only hear him but shack are you there with us right here oh awesome this, and th- this is the real shack yes it's the oh wow I, I, I didn't expect you to respond to i mean you must get like tons of invitations to get on become on podcasts every week now yes but i'm a big 32 fans fan i love hearing you guys rank stuff i'm also a seinfeld super fan as yep. we know now yeah, uh, I love the contest. That's my favorite episode. And Shaq, yeah. can you name another episode of Seinfeld? Not <laughs> um, off the top of my head. Yeah, all right. It, it, your story checks out. Uh, Are you Charles Barkley? <laughs> no, I'm not Shaq. I'm Shaq not that already? dumb. <laughs> no, I was making fun of Ob. Yeah, so Shaq, so yeah, you did say the contest was your favorite episode of Seinfeld in this episode of Curb. Let me ask you, did you ever participate in a contest like this in your life? Yes, actually. On team and, planes, on, on Lakers trips, we'd always have our own contest. Rick Fox usually lost first. <laughs> and yeah, that makes sense. It? Yeah, was he looking at, you know, inside, they look out the window and they see a naked lady. I don't know when you look out the windows of the, of the Lakers team plane, what you can see. So. Or maybe Rick Fox had a uh, rendezvous with uh, JFK Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Did JFK Jr. ever join the uh, Lakers team plane? No, he did not, unfortunately. Who usually no, lasted JFK further Jr. in the contest between you and Kobe? Always me. I always won. All right, very impressive. Just I like I won every finals MVP. <laughs> That's true, you did. Can I ask you another question? Uh, in the episode, your significant other is played by Aisha Tyler. Did uh, you and Aisha have anything going on, uh, you know, on the set, off camera? Uh, no or comment. on camera. I'm happily <laughs> married. Don't want to. Offend the wife, so ah, no okay. comment. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were, uh, although I think, uh, and I'm not that up to date on my Shaq personal history, I think the person you were happily married to at the time of that filming, you're no longer happily married to that person. Yes, correct. Yeah. Well, but well, we still, can leave that aside. <laughs> do not want to incriminate myself, nonetheless. <laughs> All right, Ob, this is like a huge get for our first guest. I, I applaud you. My yeah, I thought, I thought we would, yeah, like yeah, it's weird, like, because, like, I've, like, tweeted or, like, DM'd a bunch of, like, you know, people who are, like, extras on the show to see if they would come on, and none of them responded, but Shaq, like, before we were done with the podcast, like, I was already texting Alex and being like, oh, Shaq said yes, by the way, he's coming yeah. on next week. Although, to be and, fair, there's no basketball right now, right? Yeah, no, he's probably bored. I, I get it, Shaq, right? You're bored. Yeah, definitely. I have nothing yeah. to do at home. Shaq, I have a question for you about your jersey number choices. 
So you wore number 33 when you were in college, and you came to the NBA, you switched to number 32, fine. Uh, you go over to the Lakers, you go to 34, you go to the Heat, you go to 32, the Suns, you stay with 32. You go over to the Celtics, which I don't even remember being a thing. He was on the Celtics, and you switched to 30. Yeah, I remember that. That's what they called me. Yeah, I have no memory of that at all. Um, And you wore number 36, which I guess they had a lot of retired numbers. So, what would you like when you think of like what your number is? Which is your number? All of the numbers represent something equally meaningful to me. Fine. All right. You know, the, the PR rep said in advance, we should really ask about the numbers. So I see why he's uh, yeah. not giving us a real answer. <laughs> Shaq, are, you, are you and Larry David still tight 18 years after oh, yeah. filming this episode? Definitely. Yeah. I've always was a fan. He's dope. I love the Jews, <laughs> Jewish people. <laughs> Just like Even though he, uh, he tripped you in that game, or uh, fictionally. I guess that didn't happen in real life. Uh, no, it did not. Shaq yeah. would not get in. I would not get injured from a mere trip. I'm a big yeah. man. Just, let me ask you, what are the rules? You know, Av and I have never been uh, so fortunate as to sit courtside in an NBA game. How do they prevent something like that from happening in real life? Um, that is a good question. I have no I clue. I let the, the security <laughs> handle that. Yeah, I'm just busy dunking and slamming on fools. Yeah. That's what yeah. I do. Shaq, so you know um, peanut butter is not a dairy product, right? Um, incorrect. Butter, <laughs> that is what they call it. It definitely is a dairy product. I don't know yeah, where you peanut, got peanut such misinformation. Right. Of, no, of course. No, yeah, that's of course. disgusting. That's ridiculous. Uh, what about absolutely. almond butter? They're all butters, right? Almond butter, cashew butter. If it's got butter in the name, then it is a dairy product. But yeah, I guess that, that is the law. That yeah. is, exactly. Is Real Life Shack a big categories fan? Definitely. I'm very competitive with both categories, contest, off the court. I'm always getting my competition on. Did you, uh, did you watch any of the, uh, the Jordan documentary? Oh, uh, yes, I did. I You're not as competitive him. as him, right? That's messed up. I want to mention something. In the Jordan documentary, they glossed over the fact that the Orlando Magic knocked them out, led by me. I <laughs> defeated Jordan. The only player to defeat Jordan in a series in the 90s was me. Yeah, Just want to put that out there. Yeah, that's true. You, uh, you don't get enough credit for that one. No, yeah. I do not. I would, some people would really say it was Nick Anderson who did it. <laughs> well, Nick he, Anderson he was him. an average in 28 points and rebounds, 10 Fair. rebounds. Yeah, you're better than Nick Anderson. I give you that. Definitely. Not even a comparison. Um, in fact, Alex, that's downright disrespectful. Alex, where do you have Shaq ranked on your charts of like best NBA player ever? No, I have a number five all time. Okay, so number who's five. right ahead of him? Right ahead of him, it's yeah. uh, LeBron, Jordan, uh, Kareem, and Wilt. Shaq, who's better at basketball? You or LeBron? Well, that's well, I just want to say first, that's five spots too low. I am objectively the GOAT. There's no question about that. As they mentioned in this episode, I'm the best player that ever lived. End of I agree. Story. I agree. Thank it's my co-host over here that's uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, putting you merely in the five spot. Yeah. I'm like Larry. I agree with what you say. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm good friends with this Zach fellow, and he coincidentally has the same top four as Chester. So, but on my personal list aka Shaq I have myself number one by far that's fair. no question yeah that's fair <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so just you know struck by you know the, the enormity of our guest here I don't know what to say Shaq, you think that, that with such uh, a high profile guest we should have made plans and come up with Shaq, that did you ever watch that YouTube video of the, the game that you guys played against the Kings was that game seven oh with, well, all the, with, the, with all the bad calls? You ever watch that YouTube video? 
I don't, I don't watch Sacramento Queens highlights. No. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll, no uh, I'll DM calls. it over to you later. You can check it out. People, people like that video. Not me. All <laughs> I know is that we won. End of story. Yeah, you did. That's true. All right. Well, Shaq, listen, if, uh, if you or any of your uh, friends, NBA or otherwise, want to come on a podcast to discuss another episode of Curvy Enthusiasm, you're more than welcome do so of course by the way Shaq um, you'll be excited to know that one of the things Av and I do every week is we discuss the celebrities who come on the, the show and who play themselves and who's the most famous person to you know the most famous people to come on the show who play themselves who play a character uh, you are uh, passing Ted Danson you are the most famous person uh, thus far to ever come on Curb Enthusiasm uh, you're more famous than Ted Danson right objectively that's yeah. not even, again not even a comparison Ted now, Danson were like you, Nick Anderson yeah, I think, I think Ed Asner is the most famous person so far through the, the episodes that we've done to come on and play a character. Did Larry ever discuss with you maybe Shaq coming on the episode and playing someone else? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we discussed a couple of things. Yeah, who, who, who could you have played? Who would you have been um, if you weren't Shaquille O'Neal? Just like one of Larry's like, friends. Yeah, like Shaq's periodont- uh, Larry's periodontist or something like that. Yeah, I was going to actually be his dentist. Yeah, it, you have pretty big hands. You know, you got to fit those hands in people's mouths as a dentist. That might be tough. Yeah, big hands, big feet, <laughs> big everything. <laughs> I don't know. My, my dentist is uh, significantly smaller than you. so I'm you a man of many talents. What can yeah. I say? <laughs> All right, Av, any other questions for uh, the fifth greatest basketball player in, uh, in NBA history? Uh, I th- greatest I basketball player in Shaq, NBA why history. did you stop breaking the backboards? They had to reinforce them because I was too powerful. Oh, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you broke a lot of backboards unnecessarily. Dunked on that fool, Ahmed Rashad. <laughs> shattered the glass. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think this has been great, Shaq. Uh, we'd love having you on. But um, yeah, mention, you know, if Penny, if you mentioned to Penny, he wants to come on. Uh, we'd love to have him for an episode. Uh, so yeah, that would be great. Are there, uh, off the top of your head, can you think, are there any other NBA players who come on? Oh, Muggsy Bogues, of course, in the bathroom. Yes. Yeah. Right in that episode, Shaq. Uh, I, I don't know if you watch all of Curb, but there's an episode where where Larry and uh, Richard Lewis are in a in a bathroom, and they happen to see Muggsy Bogues at the urinal next to them. And uh, Muggsy Bogues is a uh, is very well endowed. Um, I, I was veering into a question that about locker rooms, but maybe I shouldn't ask that question. So I have not seen this episode. <laughs> I, I imagine that uh, uh, you uh, you you also would qualify for that episode, and you're you're not even a five foot three guard, so. Definitely not. Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> I weigh like three Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> All right. So, Shaq, uh, thank you so much. Do you have anything you want to plug, Shaq? Oh, uh, not necessarily. <laughs> no, nothing. Follow me at Shaq on Twitter. That's all yeah, I that's have where, to plug. That's where we found you. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much, Shaq. Uh, thanks thank for joining you. us on a pretty, a pretty, pretty. Oh, we forgot to ask you, Shaq. Uh, what, how do you rank this episode from one to five pretties? The episode called Shaq and featuring Shaq. I have a guess here. But... Five, no question. Uh, that's the can same we... as your number on Chester's chart. Yeah. Can, can, we, can we hear you say uh, pretty, 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 pretty good five times? Because that, that's how we do our rankings on this show. Pretty, 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 pretty good. <laughs> Very was good. that five times? I have trouble. That, that was four, but but listen, you're you're more focused on dunking than out counting, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, Jack. Uh, thank you so much. Have a good thank night, you guys. Have good a night, good night. Bye. All right, that was a lot of fun. Can't believe we got Shaq on, guys. Did you?
Yeah. That was actually Shaq. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal on the podcast. It goes to show you if you just harass celebrities on Twitter, good things will happen. (laughs) Yes. That's the lesson. Uh, Harass celebrities on Twitter. Um, All right. But uh, now, Shen, we uh, jump to the postman. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! We have three emails this week uh, brought to us by the postman. First one is from Zach Brooks, who says, This is an all-time great episode. We agree, Zach. From Seeds of Larry's Lattes to the Lakers' epic comeback against the Timberwolves without Shaq, just didn't seem to wrap up every story by the end. Uh, He gives it 4.5 pretties. Matching us. Next email comes from Tim Hutchinson again. Second week. Oh, around. nice. I'm very um, excited. He writes, my name is Tim Hutchinson, and I'd like you to check a little thing on my back. It would just take a second. Last week, I stated my case that children should be banned from speaking parts in all TV shows and movies. Same goes for famous sports people. Shaq is as well Ooh. suited to being an actor as he is to being a jockey. I don't think I've seen a worse performance since Dan Marino, Rude Ace Ventura, Pentagon. Wow. Harsh. <laughs> Hot takes all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I thought Shaq was great. Which reminds me, when I was about 10 years old, we had an American kid called Barry Dismore come to my school here in Australia for a short time. He was a Miami Dolphins fan and convinced a young, impressionable me that they were the best team in the NFL. Always had been and always would be. I was little, and this was pre-Google. I had no way of fact-checking, so I decided that I would, too, would support the Dolphins. Three decades of Miami-induced misery have ensued. Barry, if you're listening, thanks for nothing. You ruined my life, and I'm considering my legal options. Yeah, I always, I sometimes uh, will complain to my father uh, when we're, like, hanging out and just be like, you know, do you know how that I have friends that are Yankees fans and Giants fans and Devils fans and have won like I don't know fourteen championships or something or nine championships yeah. some ridiculous number um, during their like teenage and adult years and I have won zero and that's unacceptable yeah, and, I, and, and you grew hell. up closer to the Devils than the Rangers geographically uh, you know obviously equidistant to the Giants and Jets and closer to the Yankees and the Mets yeah no so actually based on ge- geographically and it doesn't really work like that in the tri-state area but if anything you could have should have been a fan of the three teams you just mentioned yeah um, just you know it's just it's just all yeah. luck it's not fair. Anyway, yeah. uh, back on the topic of substandard acting performances, Tim writes, I'd like to take this opportunity on behalf of all Australians to apologize for Nicole Kidman. We know she's overrated. <laughs> <and smiling. laughs> By the way, Nicole Kidman is listening to this podcast, enjoying herself, enjoying, you know, she just loved that Shaq interview. Yeah, that's a blind side. She's like, what? I'm not even in this show. We need a trigger warning in the in the show notes. If you are Nicole Kidman, yeah, um, and if yeah, if you're a famous celebrity that listens to the podcast, just let us know, and we'll we'll say nice things about you because we're happy to yeah. have you. Like we don't care. We're not going to pressure you to be a guest. Yeah, but yeah, we'll no, just well, yeah, we'll just praise you with with great things. Like don't worry about yeah. it. Just let us know. Nicole, let me say for the record, I disagree with Tim. You're a phenomenal actor. Yeah, I agree. I love Nicole Kidman. Um, <laughs> we know she's overrated and swans around with a pouty. Don't come near me because I'm better than you. Look on her face. Continues Tim. When we first foisted her onto the world stage, it was just meant as a bit of a joke, but it quickly got out of hand, and now we're powerless to stop her, not unlike how you guys select your presidents. <laughs> oh, interesting. Plural there. So maybe uh, Tim's uh, Tim's politics might be a little bit more complicated than he lets on. Well, I'm just confused, like, how Nicole Kidman got compared to Trump. Like, that, that's not something I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, poor Nicole Kidman. That's a bad draw for her. Yeah. Um, and All then right. uh, that, Tim, uh, Tim got con- more in that email. Tim concludes. Uh, he says, "Just feel compelled to mention the distressing scenes we're seeing on our televisions all over the world. So so sad. Mine and my family's love, respect, and empathy are with every good-hearted American. Really enjoy the podcast, guys, and appreciate the work you put into it. We appreciate your kind words, Tim. And of course, our uh, our thoughts and hearts go out to uh, all those people as well. We uh, we stand with you." 
whatever the hell that means. We're on a podcast. We <laughs> can't really do anything. Yeah. Um, all right. Last email comes from Olin Allen. He says, hey, guys, after my high last week with the doll, this week was a bit of a slow burn episode. It was watchable without many laughs, but it did grow on me, particularly when Shaq's injury helped Larry gain his desired social distancing. Felt like some French philosophical film more than a comedy. Still a change of pace. A lot that helps grows Larry's character and overall a good part of the canon. Shaq himself was quite good and funny, particularly with his peanut butter winks. Hope you didn't misread that. Notable this was a couple of years before the Steve Bartman incident. Seems highly, slightly prophetic, but without the same levels of vitriol, given the lower stakes. I am sure there was a bit of a joy for Chester to see the Timberwolves win and Larry help them out. Surely worth a half-star boost for, for him. Yeah, for the come with now, again, we don't even know. All we know is they were up fifty one forty four when yeah. Shaq got hurt. Yeah, but yeah, so, yeah, I guess we're all assuming they that they, they, yeah, except for Zach, who uh, seems to think that yeah. the, the, the Shackless uh, Lakers. Will Zach, win. I think you meant Shaq, not Zach, yeah. but yeah, no, Zach Brooks. Oh, oh, Zach Brooks. Yeah, it, okay. it is email. <laughs> yeah, um, the come with guy. He uh, Olin says is Jeff. Was it a down move? Beginning do courtside seats. Can't complain about that. The villain, very mild week. He goes with Cheryl, just very picky with Larry, pushing him to do stuff for his friend, for her friends, and not willing to listen yeah. to his ideas. Overall yeah. rating, three pretty goods out of five. He was thinking about two, but two-thirds of the way through, it picked up in the final segment. And that is all. Yeah, so Olin, uh, you know, a quite different ranking. Now, I'm going to use that as a segue, because next week's episode is is very, very polarizing. Next week we have The Baptism. Um, when, so my rankings that I'm, the cumulative rankings I have were were going into season um, were going into season nine. So they were of the first eighty episodes only, and of those first eighty episodes, Ranker had this episode, The Baptism, sixty eighth, so thirteenth uh, worst. The Ringer had it sixty seven, so again bottom fifteen episode. Vulture had it uh, fifty two, so a, a well below average episode. So a lot of people really, really, really hate it. Uh, but to me. The baptism. When I ranked the, the the first two seasons a couple of years ago, I had the baptism number one. So I had it uh, the top episode of the first two seasons. Yeah, I remember it episode. well. Yeah, I mean, it could. I guess it could vary based on your uh, like religious affiliation. Some people just might be even more think this is funnier than others. I guess it's possible. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So just a reminder: airport hijinks cause Larry and Cheryl to be late for Cheryl's sister's fiance's baptism. Which uh, Larry will disrupt, and um, uh, hilarity will ensue. Yeah, I, I've, yeah, I remember it very fondly. There's also a, 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 a ongoing joke or something with Richard with Larry and the uh, answering machine, which again we're going to see is probably a stolen Seinfeld bit. But um, overall, I think this episode is going to be very exciting, and I'm looking forward to watching it and talking about it with you next week. So join us next week, notwithstanding the opinions of the Vulture and the Ringer and the Ranker and everybody else. You heard that in my opinion, uh, next week's episode is going to be pretty, 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 pretty good.